0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the eighty-three eleven cast, your premier midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ari Amberry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the MLB, the NBA, and of course our signature segments: Mike Stupid rules and write that down predictions. Here on episode two hundred and forty-four. <laughs> The over-under in the Iowa-Minnesota game was the lowest for the Hawkeyes since 1990 at three and a half. Turns out the, the under played well, out. No, oh, sorry, 30 and, 30 and,
1: half. and a half, 30, 30 and a half. Three and a half would be
0: a ridiculous Not a over Not <laughs> even a Even for Iowa. That even be a
1: thing? I mean, you could, sure, if you expect the game to end three-nothing
0: or two-nothing but the under. Could you imagine? Anyway, lowest since 1990 at 30 and a half. Uh, and like I said, the under did play out. And they only had two total yards of offense in the entirety of the second half which is just terrible with all that being said they still almost won the game though an almost walk-off punt return for a touchdown upon review was brought back after the game officials deemed that the returner had given an invalid fair catch signal i don't want to dig into that right now so stay tuned throughout our discussions about college football the mlb and nba to finally arrive at mike's stupid rules where we will discuss this outcome in detail and give our thoughts and opinions on it so definitely stick around for that it should be interesting
1: yeah that i i've, I've had this one queued up since saturday afternoon uh, from like stupid rules so that should be good but before we get there we got to talk about what's coming up for your cyclone football team the competent offense in the state of iowa um we got to talk about them first um and this week, for the Cyclones, what we've got is a date in Waco with the Baylor Bears. That game with Baylor is going to be a 2.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so if you don't have ESPN+, Plus, find a way or find a friend um, to get that game. FPI gives the Cyclones a 70% chance to win that game. Despite that... The line opened with Baylor at minus one and a half. Um since then it's now moved to ISU favored by one and a half. So um change there in favor of the cyclones. A three point flip in a matter of a day in favor of the cyclone. So there must be a lot of money.
2: Yeah, I have to imagine a lot of money flooded in. For a three
1: point flip that quickly, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you don't see uh that big of a flip that quickly very often, but here you have it. Yeah, I mean I like the Cyclones to win this game. I can't say I know much about Baylor besides um, what I see on their stat line. And it's that um, Rocco Becht is better. Our running game is, believe it or not, better Oof. than Baylor.
3: Bear, slightly. So I, okay, it's not that much better. Yeah, but considering uh, our run game, game come on now. Yeah, two yards a game
2: better than theirs. Our run game shouldn't be better than anybody's run game. It's been pretty it's rough been. Yeah. most of the season.
1: But anyway, um, our one game is better. Our defense has been better. Um, Baylor also has a really bad non-conference loss. They lost 42-31 to 31 at home to Texas State. Um, they've also lost to Utah. They got absolutely murdered by Texas at home and by Texas Tech at home. They barely squeaked by UCF and Cincinnati. Um, those were both on the road, but Still, this looks like a game the Cyclones definitely can win. I won't say should, but it looks like they should be favored, and they are.
3: We're better in every defensive category. Um, and obviously, as Mike said, stated, maybe people weren't keeping track very well. Baylor is actually not a good home team this year, they are one in four at home. And 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 actually, was over Long
1: Island. Yeah, that win was over Long Island. So take that for what it's (laughs) worth.
3: I mean, that's one thing to obviously keep your eye on. the The thing that I like in this matchup for Iowa State, Baylor's defense is actually giving up forty one and a half percent of third downs on defense, where Iowa State is only thirty one point four percent on the year on completing. Or their third down or converting their third down, so that could be an area of improvement for the cyclones this week against a defense that seems to struggle getting off the field. but Iowa State defensively, this might be one of the better defenses that Baylor has faced overall uh as their offensive stats could allude to that. So yeah, we'll see i obviously, I think this is a game that is very winnable for Iowa State, but a fun fact is. Doesn't really swing in our favor. Can either anybody, and if you've already seen this on Twitter, because that's where I saw it, please don't respond. Let everybody else play first. Who was the last Iowa State quarterback to win on the road at
2: Baylor? Joel Lanning, Jacob Park, Seneca Wallace. I'll go really old. I don't know. (laughs) That's a bit too deep. No, all of you are incorrect. Anybody remember?
0: Yeah. Another guest then. Zebuliah Nolan. Yeah, there it is. Zeb. It the park. Zeb Zeb Nolan. Nolan, who started Here's what one like two.
3: all of two or three games for Iowa State in yeah. total, uh, not not a great fun fact that goes in our favor. Uh, Brock Purdy obviously never won on the road at Baylor, so it has been a while uh, since that has happened.
1: He had tent gate though. Brock Purdy did. He did he have his tent gate. games at Baylor. Are we gonna have no. tents this year? Does anybody know?
0: Oh, that's gonna be my prediction.
1: What's the forca- what's the forecast in, in in Waco? I was just gonna look. Waco, they're, Texas.
3: Not sh- they're not showing it to me on the score. That's unfortunate. Uh,
1: Waco is t- supposed to be eighty four, but not particularly sunny. Hmm. So, not much humidity either. So,
0: maybe that's a, a surprise few
1: showers. For
3: Texas this time of year.
1: So decent weather, not terrible, not oh. terrible.
3: Yeah, there you have it. Any anything else? Any other thoughts,
2: Arian? Maybe. No, I. You know, I don't want to say expect, but just looking at the rest of the season and how this team seems to be peaking and getting a little bit better as the season goes on, this is a game that I kind of am feeling. I'll say optimistic. I think that Iowa State will come out with this one, even though it's on the road. If this was basketball, I'd feel differently about it. But we're still in football season, baby. So I'm less scared to be on the road at Baylor. Oh. Baylor is always a hard place to play
3: in basketball. Yeah, on the I say,
1: also keep in mind, we're not that far from basketball we season. We are two weeks away from the uh, opener for the men, at least. Also, I totally to forgot. That.
2: We beat Baylor three times last year in basketball. Yes,
1: we did. That's wild. Yes, we did. That yeah, was that's... crazy.
2: That doesn't happen often.
3: Usually it is the other way
2: around.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So... Yeah, I usually feel more confident playing KU than I do Baylor, just because we have some mm-hmm. kind of bad juju against us.
1: Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to football. My last point on football: if you want to make a bowl, like, if you want to feel comfortable about your bowl chances, you got to have this one. Right, that's why I look at yeah. it. Kansas at home. That'll probably be a pick'em game. Maybe Kansas will even be favored at BYU. Same thing. You certainly won't be favored at home against Texas and he won't be favored at home against or on the road at K State. So, if you want to make a ball game, you don't have to win this one, but you would feel a lot more comfortable about your ball game chances if you had four shots to win one instead of two to go to a ball game. So, that that's my last uh that's my last uh, take on this week's game. Anything else?
3: I think so, that's my, it
1: up. All right. Um moving on to Major League Baseball, um and as you all know, we are in the uh, championship series round. And all I have to say is these games, This, pretty much all of the games here in both sides of the championship series have been incredible. Incredible series. You've had everything you want in these series. You've had walk-offs. You've had late-inning heroics, bench-clearing brawl. Pretty much everything you could want um, in playoff series you've had in these two. Um, over in the National League, the phillies um, the Phillies jumped out, really jumped all over, um, jumped all over the Diamondbacks at the start. They won game one, five, three, and then it slugged them ten to nothing in game two. But Arizona battled back won two incredible one run games, two to one in game three and six five um in game four.. Um, Philly did take Game 5, 6-1, to one, but uh, Arizona is now going to, looks like, going to take Game 6 in Philadelphia, if they can hold a four-run lead here in the ninth inning, to force a Game 7 that would be, I believe that game would be tomorrow. Let me double-check on that. Yeah, that game would be Tuesday, um, 7 o'clock, if the Diamondbacks can hold on. Yeah, especially that, um, which game was it? that game 5 win or game 4 win excuse me for the diamondbacks that 6-5 game incredible they had um had to have some great comebacks they were down in that game 5 to 2 scored one in the 7th and then three in the 8th um to win that one and that was um right after that 2-1 game where I believe they scored that second run in the ninth inning. Yeah, they scored that second run in the ninth inning for a walk-off. So the Diamondbacks have battled here against Philadelphia the whole time. If you can't tell, I'm really rooting for the Diamondbacks. That's why I'm sort of highlighting them them here. So look for that Game 7 on Tuesday, um, in all likelihood, um, and we'll see um, how that goes. Over in the American League, you've also had an incredible series. That game is going to a game seven that's uh, literally just had the first pitch as I was talking about the Diamondbacks. Um, So here on Monday night. The road team has won every game in this series so far. Texas jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Houston battled back and took three in Texas with a lot of excitement in those games. I'll get more to those in a second. Um, but then in Game Six, in Game Six, uh, Texas uh, slugged their way with some late, with a lot of homers, and um, a late grand slam by um, Garcia to um, propel them to a Game Six victory. And uh, now they've just taken a one-nothing lead in Game Seven as well on a on a home run on the second batter of the game. So Texas is trying to slug their way to the World Series and knock. Um, Houston out of the playoffs. Going back to those those middle games, three, four, and five, um, like I said, just some incredible games. Um, in games three, four, and five, you had um, first Texas was, or first Houston won eight, five, um, and then 10, three from Houston. But really game five was the interesting one. Um, in game five, Texas was up four to two. Um, in that game, and then in the bottom of the eighth inning, um, I believe it was the bottom of the eighth. Let me get to the um, let me get to the the pitch by pitch on here. Yeah, in the bottom of the eighth inning, um, the leadoff man for Texas walks, and then Houston um throws up and in on the first pitch to to Garcia, who had hit a home run and taken his time around the bases. Um, earlier in the game, they throw up and in. He immediately goes after the catcher. Garcia does. The bench is clear. There's some pushing and shoving. Garcia is hot. In the end, um, Brian Abreu, the relief pitcher, um, Ereldis Garcia and Dusty Baker were all tossed for that game, and Abreu was suspended for two games. So both the umpires on the field and Major League Baseball after the fact, both, um, Judge that there was intent um, in that hit by pitch. You have to, to throw out um, the manager in that case and then suspend. There would have had to have been intent. So just crazy. But then as you've already told Houston wins that game, right? So in the top of the ninth inning, Houston goes single walk home run to take the lead. Um, five, four Houston takes that five, four lead. Um and then uh, Texas is unable to score in the ninth. Despite um, getting um, back-to-back singles to lead off that inning, Texas can't score in the ninth, and Houston wins that game. Just an incredible game, incredible series. Um, Yeah, just been been great baseball. I have loved getting to watch these games. Of course, I wish the Twins were playing in them instead of Houston, but I've still spent plenty of time – um, watching these baseball games, um, and it's great. Um, yeah, it's been great. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on baseball? I don't know, Kyle, I am Wyatt. Right, if you've been watching, if you have thoughts on these series, they've just been incredible. Uh,
3: they really have, um, and they've actually pulled me away from watching a lot of football uh, mm-hmm. just because of how interesting they have been. A lot of people have been asking me, you really want to watch baseball over football and i'm like yes yeah heck yeah yes. these games that have been set. exciting uh-huh. um i really just hope that the rangers are able to pull it out uh on monday night uh that is who i am pulling for over the astros i don't want the astros to be able to repeat uh i'm kind of sick of them being there but such as um life when you're good and there are a lot of people who are uh in the same boat when it comes to the chiefs but uh with that being said I have been very surprised by the Diamondbacks' resiliency. Um, they went back to Arizona after being pretty much dismantled in Philadelphia Yeah, uh, and just were able to stick to their game plan. Uh, I don't know who their manager is. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he's kind of kept him in it, kept him level-headed, even keeled through it. I will say I felt like he made a mistake pulling their starter in game Three, I believe, Puff Dot or however you pronounce his name, it's like P F P D F A A T or something like that. He's their projected Game Seven starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was another like uh, Blake Snell being pulled of Game whatever in the World Series by the Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Cash. Uh, but you know, they're hey, they're still in it, tied three games apiece. As that game actually just did go final. So, uh, congrats to the Diamondbacks on a on a really fantastic and surprising NLCS run so far.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what they can do tomorrow. And the Phillies threw Nola today, didn't they? So yes. they're so they're they they gonna... have
3: um uh Suarez going tomorrow.
1: Who's still good, but he's not Aaron Nola,
3: and he's not uh Wheeler.
1: Yep. So you might think the Diamondbacks now have the advantage um, tomorrow, but we'll see. Toy Lovello, by the way, is the Diamondbacks manager, Kyle.
3: There you have, There it
2: is. Yep.
1: Any other thoughts on the baseball here?
2: I don't have anything super specific, but just it seems like this has been a good end to a season so far that has been really positive as far as coverage and media and viewership for the MLB we've been talking about viewership going down so long and what do they need to do to speed up the game? They made some changes and it's all been positive and we've seen a lot of that and now the playoffs have looked really good so far as long as it doesn't end in like a Houston World Series like i think people are going to be pretty happy with this first season.
3: Yeah, and i one more thing to add to that. Shout out to all of these teams like in their cities. Their their fans have come out in force. Uh, Philadelphia has been crazy the whole time uh Houston's had really great crowds and then Arizona um had pretty cheap tickets in comparison to the Philadelphia Phillies games uh and they were able to sell some sell some tickets there so uh it has been a really impactful and a lot of people have been really present and and engaged in these series as well it's made the viewership experience on tv that much better
1: yeah I yeah I I've loved the pitch clock in the playoffs, right? Games have still gotten longer. I think we're averaging about 308 um, for games in the playoffs versus, um, versus like the 240 we were averaging in the regular season. Some of that is the extra 30 second commercial spot in between every uh, half inning. I'm sure Um, probably most of that actually, right? That's nine minutes of the 28 minute increase. So I guess not quite most, but. Um, a good a good chunk of that is um, the extra commercials, but I haven't felt like it's been washed. Right, we were hearing with the pitch clock that you gotta let those playoff moments bleed. I I haven't felt like any of this playoff baseball has been washed. I've I've loved it. I've loved all of it.
3: Do you think it keeps? Uh, sorry, I'm gonna ask this one question. Do you think it keeps like hitters maybe more engaged, like through at bats? They're not able to think as long about you know oh, I should have hit that pitch. I, I, This is what I'm looking for this time. They just kind of got to go up there and let their instincts take over.
1: I think it's uh, been more about what it's allowed fielders, right? If I'm the fielder, I'm the one who gets bored when my pitcher takes 45 seconds in between every pitch. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody who's staying more engaged, it's definitely um, the fielders. I don't know um, what it'll do for hitters, so we'll have to see there. Or well, I, I haven't heard any hitters say that one way or the other, I guess. So, any other thoughts? Hearing none, uh, Ariane, we'll throw it over to you. The NBA is starting here in a couple days.
2: Yeah, the NBA is coming tomorrow on Tuesday. First game is at 6.30. We're not going to go over every team because we we're not an NBA podcast. We don't have time for that. So, I'm going to hit just a couple highlights, lowlights that I just want to bring up. If we have anything else from anyone that well, they want to talk about or I missed. We can definitely do that. But I'm just going to highlight a couple teams and go down the list. So I just kind of piled them up. Uh, Three teams you want to watch. These are basically the guys that are the favorites for the championship. These are the ones that you can expect to be really good. Uh, You have the reigning NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets. Um, They've brought back most of their pieces. They've lost a couple ones that I think will be important. Um, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green another one that I'm blanking on, but they have their core guys still. They have Aaron Gordon, they have Jamal Murray, they have obviously Nikola Jokic, who is probably a top three player in the league, pretty much consensus. So I think they're going to be pretty good. And then you have the other two that have made a lot of headlines recently, you got the Celtics and the Bucks. Obviously, just a lot of big trades that went on. Damian Lillard ending up on the Milwaukee Bucks, and then Drew Holiday, kind of, by irony, ending up on the Bucks' biggest competitors now on the Celtics. So they basically gave up Drew Holiday, replaced him with Damian Lillard, but also they gave uh, Drew to the Celtics. So we'll see how that ends up. Those guys, I mean, both those teams are just stacked super teams. Like, their starting lineups are so good. I, it will be fun to watch all, both of those guys probably just bulldoze most of the regular season because neither of those teams the main stars don't have like a ton of injury history like Giannis is good Dame is good Jason Tatum Jalen Brown like none of those guys are super fragile so I think we'll get to see them play a lot this season and I can't say the same for like you know Kristaps Porzingis but the big big names I think we're gonna get to see him play and I think we're gonna get to see him play well throughout the season and then like honorary mention goes to the Suns somehow the top three teams I listed we didn't talk about the guy that has Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal in their starting lineup, and they just had a Yusuf Nurkic. Maybe I'm underrating them a little bit, but that team should also be crazy on offense. My next oh, little category... more
3: injury, yes. more injury concerns with that team, right? Devin Booker's had some injuries recently. Kevin Durant has not had a full season in a long time. Uh, Bradley Beal it's been about five has had years some years since Brad Beal's concerns. played a
2: good season. Yeah, Your, Nurkic has had a lot of injuries recently. So there's a lot of variability in that team for sure. But if they're operating on all cylinders, they're going to score like 140 a game. They might give up 136, but they'll probably outscore them. Uh, The next little section I have, I have three teams to pass on. The three teams that um, are probably going to be competing for the number one draft pick. The number one draft pick in the draft after Victor Wembyama. So like not really considered a strong draft class right now, to be honest. Uh so this probably isn't going to be great base basketball. You can watch them if they're on, but you're probably good. Uh my first team is the Washington DC, I said Washington, the DC Wizards. There's just not a lot going on there. I don't know what they're doing. They're building their team around Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. And they just signed Denny Abdia to an extension, so I guess expect a lot of shots chucked up. I don't I don't see it going anywhere. I don't think it's going to be that enjoyable to watch, but Good for them. They finally got rid of Bradley Beal, which wasn't doing anything. So at least they're trying to move somewhere. Uh, next up is the Trailblazers. Big surprise. They are they're aiming for youth. They're tanking. They got rid of Dame. They're going to put Scoot Henderson in. They're going to let their young guys play. They have a lot of young guards. Um, it could be fun if they look good, but I think there's got to be going to be a lot of mistakes, a lot of rookie ideas and bad defense. So i I would pass on those guys if you want to watch some actually nice sound basketball. And then you have the, uh, the Toronto Raptors. I don't think they'll be horrible, but I don't think they're going to be good. And if they're anything like they were last season, it's going to be just really boring, gross basketball to watch. It didn't generate a lot of points. They didn't have any pretty half court sets. They tried to get out in transition. And if they couldn't do that, uh, they just didn't have anything. And they tried to give it to their point guard, who's no longer on the team because that was Fred Van Vliet, and they replaced Fred Van Vliet with Dennis Schroeder, I believe. So I'm not expecting a lot out of those teams, and uh, those are the three I would probably be least excited to see on my TV come the regular season, and that you won't have to worry about being on your TV in the postseason. Um, three teams that I think might surprise people this season. I have a couple teams that I just... They, I've been proven wrong before, but I'm just going to say it again because I believe it. My first team is the Orlando Magic. They just have two really, really good forwards. Franz Wagner and Paolo Banquero are just so good. They have very crowded black backcourt. They just left an Anthony Black, who should be good. They have a bevy of centers who are maybe good, but like aren't actually that good. The enigma of Markel Fultz is still there. He's a decent player now. So I, I think they could be good play-in level team in the East, potentially. And then you might get a little bit of, A little bit of rings, echoes of last year. But I'm going to say the Timberwolves are going to be good this year, guys.
1: I'm not going to believe you, Ariane. I am not going to believe you. I've given up believing that that team is going to be good. They'll be mediocre.
2: No one is going to believe me, and that's fine. They haven't proven anything. But they they have the pieces. You know, they didn't get to play a lot together last year. There was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of sickness. They didn't have a lot of time to gel. Anthony Edwards is just going to keep getting better. Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, I think, will we'll gel together a little bit. Ho-
1: hopefully, Towns will be more healthy than last year. That would be hard to not do.
2: Yeah, Missed and if Gobert could just figure out how to yeah. just dunk the ball when he's in the paint, that's literally all he has to do. But I don't know. I just see their roster, and I see they have a pretty good young coach. Like, they should just be better. Oh, no, not a young coach anymore. They have Finch now. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. He's young as far as years being a coach, but yeah. he's not young in age.
2: Not young in age, but he's been pretty good. I don't know. I just believe in them still and I'll just I'll keep holding all my Minnesota Timberwolves stock as it just drops into the trash can and I'm like any day now they're going to they're going to put it together. <laughs> hey, and buy then, low sell high, right? <laughs> exactly. I bought probably when they everybody was still high and then I just didn't sell when it was low and I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep it forever until they blow it up. Um, and then just a little bit, of, little bit of home team cooking, a former Cyclone on the Pacers. I think the Pacers are going to be really interesting this year. Um, you know, they have, obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is just going to continue to be exactly what people want from a just starting point guard. He may never be a number one guy on a title contending team, but I think he's exactly the kind of guy you want on a team if you are going to contend. He's like a perfect number two. I don't think they have a number one yet, but I think that they will be a little bit better than people are expecting. And I think they're just going to play really fun basketball. Um, they got Obi Toppin from the New, York, uh, the New York Knicks this year. So you have Tyrese Halliburton, a passing savant, with um, Obi Toppin, who's just a phenomenal dunker and alley-oop catcher. I was, I was going to
3: say a high-flying rim runner. Yes, From Maryland,
1: so... right? Didn't he play at Maryland?
3: Oh uh,
2: he played at can don't know.
1: Obi Toppin, where'd he go to school?
2: There's another Toppin as well. Dayton, Dayton. Dayton. His he's brother a flyer. Is his brother is at Kentucky or was at? Kentucky. Gotcha. Yeah, so I mean that is a match made for TV right there. They signed just fresh champion Bruce Brown, who is just everything you want in a winner. He gets it all done. He can. He's one of the few guys who can actually guard pretty close to one to five. He was playing the four and the five when he was in Brooklyn, and then he would play the one to the three on Denver. Like, he can do anything you need him to do on the floor. One of the best inch-for-inch, pound-for-pound rebounders in the league. And then they have Benedict Matherin, who was very good last year in the role he had, which was basically glorified Chucker, but he has scoring chops. And I don't know, this team just looks like it's going to come together. If it's not this year, it's the next year, but I'm excited to watch him, and I think it's going to be really fun. Oh, and they have Buddy Heald. I didn't even say anything about Buddy Heald. And then Miles Turner. You didn't say anything about him either. Miles Turner is fine. I don't know. He's been there for a long time. They talked about trading him for a long time. He finally signed an extension. He's kind of a known quantity. Great defender. Uh, Overrated three ball. He can be okay sometimes, and then other times not as much. But he's definitely going to lock down the center. And obviously, he's a great piece. I just kind of blanked on him because I wasn't that excited about it. (laughs) But I think that team... I don't know if I think they make the play in this year, but I think they play really good basketball and will continue to get better. That's a team on the rise. And then uh, my last section here, I have three teams that may disappoint this year. You have the Utah Jazz, and this is kind of a weird one because they over overachieved by so much last year that you kind of have to expect them to go back downhill, and I I do not believe that uh, Larry Markkanen performs like that again this year. Maybe he does. Maybe that's just who he is is now but one season out of like his seven year NBA career he was just a godly all-star I, I need to see more than that so until proven otherwise I'm gonna bet that this was a little bit of a fluke and then the next one is the Philadelphia 76ers and that's basically just what's happening what's happening with their team what's happening with James Harden is he gonna play is he not gonna play are they gonna be able to trade him for anything is this bothering everybody on the team it's gonna become a lot bigger of a deal once these games start happening Is he putting an effort on the court? Is he trying? Is everybody mad that he wants to leave and he wants to go to LA for like scraps? It just, it does not, it's not a good recipe for a great year. They have all the talent on their roster to do well, but I just don't think that the situation is very good there. They do have a new coach though. Nick Nurse is in Philly this year, so that'll be interesting to see how that offense changes and hopefully it's a little less ISO heavy. And then my last team that I think will be disappointing this year, is another team with probably a top five, maybe top ten player on it. Uh, in the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic is one of the best young players in the league. And he's paired with another fantastic scorer in Kyrie Irving. But man, whatever team Kyrie Irving is on, it just blows up. It just always does. For a variety of reasons, who knows why. They're just both the ball-dominant guys. They don't defend that well. I don't know. I just feels like it's going to be a disappointment. I don't even have numbers to back it up. I just saw what they played like at the end of last year, and it was terrible. I don't expect anything to change. I don't think they made any really incredible offseason acquisitions. Let me see if I can. Oh, my fault. They took, they got Grant Williams, who is a good player, defensive player. But they have Derek Jones Jr. and Dante Exum. That just doesn't, doesn't move the needle as far as, are you going to win a championship? Which has to be, you have to get close to it with Luka Doncic. Otherwise, when does he move on? And who knows? But I don't see that being great. Um, and then right before, any any other teams you guys are looking at or want to talk about before I hit a couple of just big points?
1: I mean, the thing I'm thinking, who's going to be the number two team in the West, right? The Nuggets are number one. Who's number two? Like, there's, there's to me, there's no great second team that we're looking for there. Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be?
2: The West is... Uh, is the Suns? The West is a bloodbath. I look at these teams, and I I don't know who it is. Everyone in the Nuggets, and then you have the Lakers. have been They were incredible after their trades last year, and they could continue that. Sure. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns have all the talent in the world. The Mavericks could be good. Is Zion finally healthy for a year? Is it the Pelicans? Are the Golden State Warriors good with, you know, CP3 added into the mix all of a sudden? Does that... Per, does that help them? I assume eventually he will run that bench unit. And that's always been the biggest weakness of Golden State teams is when Steph Curry goes to the bench, they just bleed points. And now they have a real game manager to help them out. I It's hard to tell. If I was going to guess right now, my money is on either, I think it's either the Lakers or the Suns for the second team in the list. But like once you start looking at basically spots five through Ten. It's brutal. I could see multiple teams who you think might make the playoffs not even making the play-ins. That's one of these things where you look at this year and there aren't very many teams that aren't trying to win. I think you could say, yes, it's it's excellent. And for viewers, you can watch it. I'm looking at the West. I think there are only two teams that don't expect to make the play. Three teams probably that don't expect to make the playoffs this year. For sure, the Portland Trailblazers and the Spurs are not trying to make the playoffs. And then I think you could say the Jazz and the Rockets probably are okay missing it. Other than that, I think every team in the West thinks they're making the playoffs this year. And then in the East, you're just looking at the Hornets, the Wizards, the Magic, and probably the Raptors, maybe the Nets. But like a lot of these teams, oh yeah, probably the Pistons. Pistons and the Bulls are going to be bad too. The East is less strong, but the West is going to be, uh, it's going to be bad for some teams. They're going to be pretty disappointed at the end of the season. But just before we started recording, news broke that uh, Giannis Anadakumbo signed a three year, $168 million extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it had been a subject of conversation whether he was going to sign another extension with them or not. He had stated that he wanted, he would sign with them as long as he felt like they were still trying to win a championship. Obviously, trading for Damian Lillard qualified in his eyes for those. Uh, stipulation, So we went ahead and signed yeah, on. I, so I, that, I
1: don't know what else they could do to show it. And yeah, right. A pretty big move.
2: Just get like a top 10 offensive player in the league for the past decade, basically. I mean, that's it. Just one of the best three-point shooters of all time. One of the best clutch players of yeah. all time. Their, their, their pick-and-roll game is going to be brutal. Like, what do you do? If you don't go over the top, Dame is going to just rain fire on you, even if you don't, like, show them two and then back up. But also, if you show them two... Well, now you have Giannis Antetokounmpo running free to the rim. If he catches the ball anywhere underneath the foul line, he'll just Eurostep and dunk it in your face. It'll be interesting to see how teams play him. Are you going to just double and then hedge along the baseline and try and get a person there? Because the guys in the corner are going to be like, you got Splash Mountain, Brooke Lopez there, and then depending on who their other starters are, obviously you got Chris Middleton. He's no slouch from three at all. And then depending on who they want to start, they'll either have more offense or another shooter. It, it's going to be interesting to watch. But he, is, he has a player option for the 27-28 season. So that's approximately when we can expect to start hearing some chatter again for Giannis. A uh, big storyline this year is just uh, Wemby Watch. Watching Victor wemby If you haven't heard of him, if you haven't seen him, go look up some highlights or just wait to see some games. He is seven foot. Three to five, depending on who you ask. French kid. Every time you watch him play, it's just crazy. We have not had anybody this big in the league like who's actually good at basketball for a really long time. It's weird to see Stephen Curry, who did a jump ball against Wemby this week, uh, literally a whole foot shorter than Victor Wimbanyama. And he's doing behind-the-back dribbles. He's not megging, guys. He's shooting pull-up threes and Euro-stepping. Like, We haven't seen anything like this. So if you want to watch some basketball that you haven't seen yet, the dude's an alien on the court and I highly recommend it. I'm very excited to watch him play this year. And unlike a lot of rookies, uh, the thing people seem to be most confident about is his defense. Usually defense is what comes around last, but he has like a, you know, like a seven foot, 11 wingspan. So that makes it easy. I think you will, uh, you can put a pretty easy money line bet down on the fact that he's going to have the most blocked three pointers this year. And then I just have a bullet point down just saying, can injury-prone, player, can injury-prone players just play this year? We mentioned some of them already. Everybody on the Suns, right? Kristaps Porzingis, Zion Williamson, John Morant suspended for the first like third of the season. When he comes back, what will that look like? The Clippers duo of Kawhi and Paul George, we haven't even mentioned the Clippers yet. But there are a lot of teams that everything hinges on whether they're players who always get injured just don't get injured this year, which never a great bet for me. Um, but that that will swing a lot of races this year if guys can just stay healthy. And that's pretty much what I have for this year. I mean, I'm excited to see what happens and see what I'm right about, what I'm wrong about, and just watch some basketball. And that when the NBA starts, that means I'm just even closer to watching cyclone basketball.
1: Only a couple weeks away.
2: Any questions, comments, concerns? Anything I missed that you guys think is important or noteworthy?
1: No, you my my big question you already answered so.
2: Yeah, all right, we will uh move it along to the thing everybody has been waiting for, and that is uh some stipulations and clarifications about fair catches. Yeah, so
1: as as Wyatt alluded to in the intro, we're gonna talk about fair catches um, because of that Minnesota Iowa game. So to do this, there's literally a fair catch section in the rulebook. We are going to look at Rule 2, Section 8 of the NCAA rulebook here. Basically, I'm going to assume you all know what a fair catch is. So what I'm going to talk about is a valid fair catch signal and then an invalid fair catch signal. So uh, Rule 2, Section 8, Article 2 says that a valid signal is a signal given by a player of Team B who has obviously signaled their intention by extending one hand, doesn't matter which one, but one hand only, clearly above their head, and waving that hand from side to side more than once. That is the rule. Um, So that is what a valid fair catch um, signal is. Now, invalid signal is is specified in Article 3 of that rule, Um, where basically the important part says that uh, an invalid signal is any waving signal by a player of team B that does not meet the requirements of article two above that that's pretty much it. And, and then uh, part three of that says that is given after a free kick is caught strikes the ground or touches another player. So also any waving motion um, after it hits the ground whereas that would normally block a a valid fair catch signal that expires once the ball hits the ground. Um, Or at least the returner loses his um, protections against being contacted, I should say, once the ball hits the ground. Um, He still can't return it if he's made a fair catch signal. Um, Whereas an invalid signal, again, um, an invalid fair catch signal can be made after the ball hits the ground. Um, If you look at this play, I mean, to me, it's pretty clear, right? that he was that this was an invalid fair catch signal. So he points at the ball with his hands down first, right? That's the first thing you see is he's pointing with his his hands down. That's totally fine. That's not the problem. But then as as he's running towards the sideline, you can see him I can't tell if he's like telling his teammates to get away or if he's trying to use his left arm to balance. I don't know what he's doing, but he's waving that left arm all around. We just read the rule, it doesn't matter whether his arm goes above his shoulder goes above his head etc it's just any waving signal that is not a valid signal right which to me he clearly does um you can argue about whether or not um this is something that is called right like is this a penalty that's or is it not a penalty a thing that's called often no you don't see it very often but was it officiated correctly yes um that's That that's what I've got. And then the other thing about, um, an invalid signal versus a valid signal. Um, so first of all, with a valid fair catch signal, if you then return the ball, um, you would get a five yard penalty for delay of game. You aren't penalized for that if you make an invalid fair catch signal. Um, but also with an invalid signal, you're not afforded, um, protections, um, after you catch the ball. Um, so that that's sort of the trade off. You don't get penalized if you turn it, but the the kicking team doesn't get penalized if they blow you up once you catch the ball. Um, basically, because it's ambiguous, so they give both teams the benefit of the doubt in the case of the somewhat ambiguous invalid signal. Um, any questions on that? Those are the relevant rules. Any thoughts on the play itself?
2: It was just a it was just a weird play. I had never seen that or heard that before. So everybody, I felt sense. like was freaking out.
1: You don't see the call very often. I will say that. Um, And this is a reviewable play. I don't have the exact rule of reference for what is or isn't reviewable, but both valid and invalid fair catch signals um, are reviewable plays. So this was totally a reviewable play as well. So that's certainly not a problem. And even though they originally went to the review to see if he stepped out of bounds on the sideline, once you initiate a review, you can review all aspects of the play. So even though it wasn't the original intent of the review, if they see it, once the review starts, go for it. Any other questions or thoughts?
0: This might be a hot take, but I do not like that. It is reviewable. A fair catch is kind of, it's almost a player safety thing, right? Where if there's an invalid fair catch signal or a valid fair catch signal, that ball should be dead right then and there. That's something that should be called on the field. And it stings in this case, in this scenario specifically, that was called back on review. But I think in general, this should be something that is called on the field. It's part of the reason why they don't do that is so you don't unjustly take away uh, a return or something, I guess. In this case, if they were to blow it dead, and turns out maybe he, it was not an invalid fair catch signal, right? But it's not that hard to, to understand what a valid and invalid fair catch signal is and call it on the spot. I mean, this feels like a, a better safe than sorry type of scenario. And, it isn't the same as like a fumble also, that you let go. Wyatt, how many
3: how many referees do you have watching the punt returner in that scenario?
0: One. Catch the ball. One? Yeah. Always, it's, always it's, at least one. It's a guy's one.
1: job, right? It's, guys, yeah.
0: it's your only job. That is the back judge's job to look at that guy and see what he does. That That is so, the only thing that you're doing. There you have it. It should be so easy to call it on the field like Agreed.
3: and get rid of the review portion of it.
0: I do not think it should be reviewable. I don't like that. That this is something that should be called. It is technically correct. I'm not not mad about the call, but that's something that should be called on the field.
1: Sure. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there should be any change to the the invalid fair catch rule itself. Right. It exists because of that ambiguity. Right. You could totally see how a defender would see that signal and say, "Oh, he's calling for a fair catch. I'm not going to tackle him." Right. Because. right it's ambiguous that's why the rule exists i like the rule yeah i i sort of agree with you on replay because this is one of those things that shouldn't be watched on slow-mo to see what's happening you know
0: yeah no i agree
1: yeah i but that that is the way the rules are written now and again as we've talked about lots of time on the segment the only thing we ask of on-field officials is they officiate the game by the rules if you don't like the rule by all means, please take it up with the NCAA in the offseason. Let's get this fixed. I'm all for that if that's what you want to do. But the officials on the field did their jobs properly. Absolutely. Kyle, on any last thoughts?
2: No, I think you covered it. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, With the end of our Mike's Stupid Rules segment, we will move on to our Write That Down Prediction segment. As always, starting with our accountability session. Um, we have two predictions coming off the board this week. First one from Kyle, he predicted that Ezra Adderhold is that it right?
3: Ezra Adderhold,
1: Adderhold, that was very close. Will win a tournament this season on the Professional Disc Golf Association Pro Tour. I am told by you he did not do that. Is that accurate?
3: He did not do that with the Pro Tour Championship occurring last weekend.
1: All right, with no wins for Ezra, Kyle gets a nah, nah, nah.
2: Nah.
1: and then Arion, You predicted that Jimmy Butler's official NBA portrait for the year would be his new emo style, which, um, as we found out before the episode, it is like if you look on, on ESPN or anything like that, that is his picture. Um, you should all go look it up, it's, it's pretty good.
0: It's um, very but, funny, but it, is.
1: it is. So, Arion, you get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. That's it for our accountability session. Arian, you want to uh, start getting something back on the board?
2: Yeah. So I am going to predict, as we stated, two teams I think are going to be very, very good on the top of the team, basically. Uh, And it is Boston and Milwaukee. I'm going to predict that Boston and Milwaukee will start the season winning seven or more of their first 10 games. Now you might Mm. be asking, who do they play? And then you also might be asking, does it matter? We don't even know how good teams are. That's fair. Do they play each other? They do not.
1: Okay. But I will read off the first
2: 10 games, and we'll just know that to know that. So Boston is starting the year with New York, the Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, the Pacers, the Nets, the Timberwolves, the Sixers, the Nets again, Toronto, and the Knicks again. So you're looking at one, two, three, four, four games against... Playoff teams last year. Okay. And then we have the Milwaukee Bucks start their season with the Sixers, the Hawks, the Heat, the Raptors, the Knicks, the Nets, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Magic, and the Bulls. So you're looking at one, two, three, four games against playoff teams. So
1: (laughs) both pretty easy schedules.
2: Yeah, relatively.
1: Considering more than half the teams make the playoffs, to have yeah, less exactly. than half your schedule be against playoff teams seems pretty yeah. favorable. You can
2: expect these teams to be pretty much the best teams in the league. I, that being said, it is hard to win 70% of your games. People don't do that. Sure. And 10 games is a pretty big chunk of an 82-game season.
1: It is. Double or triple? that's what I got for you guys. Double or triple? That's what I was thinking.
2: I
3: My gut says double, but I feel like Ariane really wanted a triple. I a
0: triple on. Oh, I'll take a triple on that. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm both, fine. and we don't I'm know anything about either, that, either yeah. of these
1: teams. I'm fine with a triple. Cool. That's,
0: I'll take that's, a triple. I, I am not going
3: to complain about that. I'll say that.
1: For, for me, despite my, um, my little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disgruntledness. Skeptic skepticism, that's what I was looking for. Skepticism with the Timberwolves um, during the NBA segment. I do actually think they'll be better this year. I'm gonna say they get one of the top six seeds avoiding the play in this year. And I know you said the middle of the west is gonna be a bloodbath. Yeah, it's but I'm still gonna bad. say it.
2: Okay, so then the question is, is, do we have like numbers? What are they projected to finish? We need we need somebody with less bias in our life than me. So I'm let me see I- if
1: there's anything on
2: ESPN. Let me just list off all the teams I think are going to be better than the Timberwolves in the West. Uh, The Nuggets, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Kings, we're already at six, potentially the Clippers. I I think they're going to be in the five to eight range. So definitely not a single to me. Double bordering on a triple, maybe? We it's have no division. idea what they're going to look like. Yeah, that is. hard. No. To we know. haven't even gotten to see him that much last season because there was so much injury.
3: I'm fine to go with the triple here. There's a lot of uncertainty.
2: Plus, they're the Timberwolves. So
3: that counts for something.
2: Yeah. Right? <laughs> it makes all of their okay, achievements but, yeah. a little bit harder to get. <laughs> triple.
0: Do it. All right. Do anything from Josh this week? He's still alive. He is still
1: alive because he opened my Snapchat. At least somebody with his phone is still alive because he opened my Snapchat asking um, what his prediction was, but he did not um, give me a prediction. So he will take the strikeout.
0: Sounds good. Somebody's comment earlier in the episode got me thinking about that Baylor game again. And I'll go ahead and predict, like I have in the past, that Iowa State will get at least one tent at Baylor this coming weekend. There will be a tent on the sideline on the Iowa State sideline. I'll just All say right, can um, you be single.
1: If I would say single as well, but if nobody sees a tent, we're going to assume you're wrong. We need to to see a tent. So if, and, if we don't get a good picture of the sideline to see, this counts as wrong. Would you agree this, to that stipulation? This,
3: this doesn't include the medical tent, right? The, the medical the blue tent, tent. Tent. The blue pop-up yeah. tent. The blue pop-up
0: tent. Sounds like a tent to me.
1: Well, then this is, uh, I'm taking this off the board because yeah, that's they, definitely, they have on sidelines.
0: They is always really? have one of those. Okay, so yes. Sands the medical tent then. I was trying to get okay. Squeak <laughs> one by. Okay. Yeah, so. Fine. You're, you're welcome, Mike and Arianne, for bringing that up. So mm. I didn't,
2: yeah. Probably still a single though?
1: I, probably.
2: I don't have oh, odds on it.
1: Yeah, obviously no I don't odds have on odds on this. This. that Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll I probably be, have a tent.
1: I'll say a double just because it's not supposed to be sunny since we looked at the forecast earlier.
3: And it's not like overwhelmingly hot either. Double. So what
2: do you say, Kyle? Double? Double, yeah.
0: Okay. Double, we'll go with it. I'll take it. What do you got, Kyle? Um,
3: that, yeah, I the Phillies have been fun, but I would like to see the Diamondbacks in the World Series. Uh, team, I would say, is up. Somewhat high on Mike's pyramid of teams that have suffered. Uh, and they have the won Phillies, a World Series
1: since 2003. So. The,
3: the Phillies have not suffered as much, being it, they were in the World Series last year. Um, so yeah, I, I want the Diamondbacks to win Game 7 of the NLCS.
1: According to fan graphs, they have a 45.3% chance to win that game. So single?
3: That's what the numbers I, seem like. That's, that's all this prediction was intended to be. So,
2: am I correct in that they, they're also the only team in the playoffs left that aren't 90 and 72? It's kind of weird. I mean, all the other three playoff teams um, left are 90 and 72.
1: The Phillies were 90 and 72. The Astros are 97.2, and the Rangers were 90 and 72. That's true. Oh my God. And, and, and the Diamondbacks were 84 and 78. So they
0: were worse. Yes. So, kind of weird. That would have been a good fun fact. Uh-huh. That would have been a great. There you fun. go.
2: That's a double fun fact: one at the beginning and one at the end.
0: With a strikeout, a single, a double, and two triples, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the Eighty Three Eleven Cast, episode two hundred and forty-four. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our socials at Eighty Three Eleven Cast wherever you find us. Signing off for the Eighty Three Eleven Cast, we have your hosts,
1: Omersh, Mike Ludwig,
0: Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We're we'll talking to you all again next week. Go, Cyclones!
1: Go,
3: Cyclones!
0: Go, Eat Cyclones! Go, Cyclones!